tonight who's glad to be at church today. Anybody glad to be in God's house? Come on. Let's give Jesus the best praise we can today. He's worthy of all the praise. Now, of course, I want to welcome everybody who's on the other side of the camera today, on the other side. So thankful for where you are, wherever you're watching from. I do want to let you know that the next three weeks you won't be able to watch. So uh, you're going to have to come to church in order to experience at the movies. And so we're not able to put those online like we normally do. So you want to make sure that you're here over the next three weeks to see and be part of uh, what's going on at City Hope. But can we put our hands together for everybody who's on the other side of the camera? Glad you're with us today. We love you. Welcome you. So we're in week five of a series we're calling Generosity Unleashed. And I'm going to get into that in just a moment. But like I occasionally do, I want to take a moment and just share with you where we're headed over the next several weeks. I like to point the way, clear the path, kind of, kind of uh, pull some things out of the way, pull some things that I want you to see, and I want to give you three thoughts that I want you to get today. Um, many of you know, if you've been coming to City Hope for a couple of years now, you probably know that in December, the second Sunday of December, we always do what's called the Legacy Offering, but we're going to move that. We're not going to do it this December. We're going to move it to February the 25th of next year, and here's the reason we're going to do that. It's because in February... We're going, I'm going to ask you to be part of a spiritual journey with us called Heart for the House, all right? It's going to be an incredible journey, and we're going to do everything we can short of sin to keep reaching people, to help keep making a difference in Wichita Falls. And I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but there's some constraints around church on Sunday mornings. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for that, right? There's parking constraints. There's, there's seating constraints. There's lobby constraints. There's kids' room constraints. And so we're, gonna, we're just going to paint a clear direction for where we're headed over the next several years, and I want you to be a part of that, because at the end of February, we're going to give you an opportunity to give and commit to be a part, to accelerate the heart for the house, to make a difference, to keep reaching people in Wichita Falls and the greater Texoma area. Amen, everybody? So that's coming up. I want you to know about that. And then there's a small holiday in the month of December. It's called Christmas. We're doing some Christmas Eve services on the, the Christmas Eve weekend, Friday night and Sunday morning. So there's, I'm not Friday night, sorry, Saturday night and Sunday morning. That's, that is five services total, two, sat, two Saturday night and then three Sunday morning. We'll do our normal Sunday service times and then we'll do two on Saturday as well. That's coming up. So that's something you can be praying about, who you're going to bring, who you're going to have sitting with you. There's a couple times a year it's really great opportunity to have someone sitting with you in church, Christmas, Easter, but also next week at the movies. At the movies is an incredible time to have somebody sitting next to you. And if you have never been part of at the movies before, just experience it next week. And I'm telling you, you will completely understand what we're, what we're talking about, okay? When you came in, there were, some, um, there were some invite cards sitting on your seat. I'd love for you to take those out, okay? Because I want to just draw a little bit of attention to these this morning. The reason we put these in your seat is because it is an incredible tool for you to use to invest in someone to invite somebody to church. We put six of them in there so that you have plenty between now and next Sunday to, to use in inviting somebody to church. Um, how many of you know someone who's as far from God, someone who's unchurched, someone who, who needs what you have? Anybody, anybody know somebody? I know somebody. And so 
what I want to do right now is I want to pray over these cards. I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that when we pray, God answers our prayer. And these little cards can just be a simple tool that we put in the hands of somebody to say, hey, will you come to church with me? So I want you to think of a few people that you know right now who, who need what you have. They need City Hope. They need a relationship with Jesus. And I want us to pray over these cards right now. Let's, even where you are, you just pray. You just call their names before God. Come on, let's pray over these today. Father, I thank you that you have anointed us um, to preach the good news of the gospel. Even though not all of us are full-time ministry, full-time preachers, Lord, we are all called to make a difference in the kingdom of God. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd anoint us as we, as we talk to people this week, as we think about friends and family and coworkers and neighbors, people who maybe are far from you, people who are distant in their relationship with you. God, I'm praying right now that you would draw them in by the power of the Holy Spirit, that they would find a life, that they would find hope, that they would find freedom. God, that you would give us an opportunity to invest in somebody's life this week to make a difference and to invite them and bring them to church. God, we thank you for life change. We thank you that we get to plunder hell and populate heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God that we get to be a part of what he's doing, what he's called us to. Yeah. So, so I'm proud of you for, for just running the play. I'm proud of you for whenever we call a play, you run it, you do it, you invite friends, you bring them. And I, I'll tell you what we're believing. We're believing for salvations over the next three weeks. We're believing God to bring people to him in Jesus' name. So I'm thankful that you're a part of that, all right? Well, um, we're going to get into the message today. We're part five of the series Generosity Unleashed. And just one more thing I want to tell you about before I jump into this series, or the last part of the series, is um, about, I don't know how many years ago, 2009 or 10, I read a book called The Blessed Life. That book revolutionized the way I think about generosity, the way I think about giving in church. And so, yes, today is a message about generosity, and if you come back next week, I promise you'll, you'll love it if you don't like this one, okay? All right, so you just come back next week. But um, this book changed my life, and last year, I did a series called The Blessed Life, and we were able to give every household in our church a copy of this book because one of our legacy team members said, hey, I want to pay for that. Now, we have greeting teams that they have the gift of greeting, worship teams who have the gift of singing and playing. And we have a legacy team who has the gift of giving. And that, that person said, I want to pay for, every, for everybody to get one of those copies. Well, this year, um, we thought about the hundreds of people who weren't here last year. And we wanted to get this into your hands as well. So in the lobby on your way out today, grab a copy of this. If you don't have it, one per household, it's our investment to you. You don't have to pay for it. It's already paid for. And so you just grab it on your way out. How did it get paid for? You pay for it when you give in the offering. Okay. That's how it got paid for. So grab one on your way out. Don't sell it on Amazon or eBay. Um, read it. All right. So, so, all right. Well, let's jump into today's message. Uh, reminding you that our theme verse for this whole series has been this. A generous person will what? Prosper. So generous starts first. It's a generous life lifestyle that leads to a life of prosperity. And that word prosperity isn't this kind of prosperity gospel, name it, claim it kind of teaching. It is to be pushed forward by God into places that you couldn't get on your own. All right? How many of you want that? 
I want God's hand pushing me forward. And whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. That's what, it all, but it all starts with obedience to generosity. Now, our goal for this series has been really simple. That generosity unreached, wherever you have not gotten to in your personal generosity journey, that it would become unleashed. The floodgates would be opened over your life and you would step into a lifestyle of generosity. That's our prayer for you, that you would experience the overflow, the goodness of God, the goodness of, of, of His presence in your life and His joy in your life, that you would live in the overflow. And so just to recap the last few weeks, week one, we talked about it's all about the heart, which by the way, today has a lot to do with that topic as well. It all starts and it all ends with the heart. So week two, Pastor Andy, he, he came in, he blew in, blew up, and blew out, right? He, <laughs> he came in from Alabama and he just, uh, he preached an incredible message on why people don't give. And then the week, third week, week three, we talked about tithing, that, that T word, the test word, how God gives us permission to test him, but also he's testing us. Last week, we talked about act your wage. Did anybody get anything out of last week's message? You came back, too, so I'm, I'm proud of that. And, and I've, heard, I've heard so much feedback on last week's message. And I think, honestly, it's not because I'm a great preacher. I think it's because of the content that people really, it was, it was practical. And sometimes the most practical things are the most spiritual things. Anybody, it just, it hit home with a lot of people. If you missed it, go back and, and check that out. But to, next week is at the movies. So we'll kick off week one next week of at the movies. Today is this question. Am I generous? All right, say that with me. Say, am I generous? All right. Now that's what I want you to do is ask it to yourself. Okay, you're not asking it to somebody else. I'm not asking you if you're generous. I'm asking myself, am I generous? And here's the thing about generosity. All right, um, it, it's, it's this, that it always makes sense to be generous toward God because he was generous towards us first. And I heard a story about a guy named Joe. Um, Joe was having trouble tithing, and he went to a small group leader. That's the way we pastor people here at City Hope is through small groups. If you want to grow deeper in relationships and deeper in your walk with God, small groups is the answer, right? And so he went to a small group leader, and he said, man, I'm just having trouble tithing. Like when, back when I made 50 bucks a week, it was not a problem to tithe $5. Easy, right? Then I started making 500 a week, and, and I, would, I would write that check, five, $50 a week. Man, it wasn't that, wasn't that big of a deal, but now that I'm making $5,000 a week, I can't afford to give $500 a week. I just can't do it. So he says, will you pray for me? And so his small group leader said, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you. And he said, Father, I just pray right now that you would reduce Joe's income back down to $500 <laughs> so he can tithe again. Obviously, that's a joke, right? It didn't really happen. But the point is, so many people think I can't afford to tithe. And the reality is you can't afford not to tithe, because you'll be more blessed on the 90% than you will be on 100% without tithing. It's just, it's just the way it works. And so today's not a message on tithing. It's a message on, am I generous? We're asking that question. And I want to study a passage of scripture in John chapter 12. This is a story about Lazarus 
Mary, Martha, and they're all related. Mary and Martha, they're sisters, and they have a brother named Lazarus. But then there's this other character named Judas. He's not related to him. He's one of the disciples. And we're going to look at this story and, and see what we can learn from it today. It's in your notes, but you can follow here on the screen as well. John chapter 12 says that six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. This is the same Lazarus that Jesus had risen or raised from the dead. If you remember that story, Jesus, Lazarus has been dead for four days. The King James Version says he stinketh. He's, that's stank right there. He's, he stanks. And, and Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. And he comes out of the grave. He walks out and they unwrap him. And so this is the same Lazarus. Now his sister, Martha, is serving. So there's a dinner going on and, and it's given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. If you've probably read about Mary and Martha before, where Martha was the one who was, she was always serving, always working. She had the gift of service and hospitality, and her sister Mary just sat at the feet of Jesus. And Martha didn't like that, did she? If you know the story, she goes to Jesus and complains, Lord, tell, tell Mary to get up and, and do something, right? And, and Jesus says, I'm not going to do that. She's actually chosen what's even a little bit better than what you're doing. She's chosen to be here at my feet. And so Martha is serving, but Mary takes about a pint of pure nard, oil, expensive perfume, and she pours it on the feet of Jesus and wipes his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. This is just a beautiful illustration of Mary pouring her love out, lavishing her love on Jesus. It, it reminded me of a song that came out years ago. Phillips, Craig, and Dean sang it. it. It went like this. Like oil upon your feet, like wine for you to drink, like water from my heart, I'll pour my love on you. If praise is like perfume, I'll lavish mine on you till every drop is gone. I'll pour my love on you. That's the, that's, this came out of this story right here. Love it. So she's pouring her love on Jesus. She's, she's extravagantly worshiping Jesus. And then one of his disciples, old Judas, I, every time I see his name Iscariot, I immediately think of Judas the idiot. I don't know. I think it's just because the way, because he was an idiot. You know what I'm saying? Like Judas, come on, keep your mouth shut. Come on, Judas, act right. Come on, Judas, don't, don't deny Jesus, right? He's just always doing crazy things. And so Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, the same one who sold Jesus out, why? For 30 pieces of silver, says, why wasn't this? He said it out loud in front of everybody. Man, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? He looks really righteous here, doesn't he? He's like, I, I can't believe you would, you would be wasteful like this. Mary, I mean, come on. Why, why didn't you sell this and give it to the poor? If you really were a good Christian, you would have sold this and given it to the church so they could, they could really use it to make a difference. It was worth a year's wages. And it looks like he's really holy. looks like he's really godly. 
But until you read the next line, he didn't say it because he cared about the poor, but because he was a what? A thief. He was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself into the treasury, into the money bag, and he would help himself to what was put into it. That's crazy. He's bold. Or stupid one. I'm not sure. He, I'm sorry, that probably wasn't an appropriate word for church. But it's a true word. He was, he was silly. Or how about that one? Leave her alone, Jesus says. Jesus, Jesus comes to her rescue. Hey, Judas, come on, man. Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you. There's always going to be people around us who are vulnerable and hurting and broken and marginalized. There's always going to be the hurting, but Jesus says, I'm about to die and be resurrected, and I will ascend to my Father in heaven. You will not always have me. And so this story, as we read it, what it does is it illustrates that wherever you see extravagant generosity, you will also find a selfish heart battling for control. Mary is acting in such generosity, such extravagance, but Judas comes along and he says, I wish I could get my hands on that. I I wish, I wish she would have sold it and given it to the poor because then I would have gotten a little bit more. Everywhere you see it, you see extravagance and generosity butting heads. And so we've got to ask ourselves today, am I generous or am I selfish? Which one has the upper hand? Which one do I lean more towards? Is it generosity or is it selfishness? And so today I want to explore why did Mary pour out this expensive oil on Jesus feet what was the purpose behind it and why did Judas care about it like why does he care what she does with her money are you ready so we're going to jump into this there's three principles I want to teach you today about generosity and it it's all tied back to week one all right it all starts with the heart and the first principle is this Selfishness is the enemy of generosity. Selfishness is the enemy of generosity. Always butting heads. All right, John 3, or uh, James 3.16 rather says that where you have envy and selfish ambition, when it's all about you, when your ambition's all about what you want and you advancing, and it's all about you uh, being in charge and calling the shots, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So Judas really didn't care about the poor, did he? This is not a trick question. He didn't care about the poor. His comment was a cover-up because he was a thief. His comment was a cover-up because he embezzled money from Jesus. I want you to think about this. Remember uh, back in week three, we talked about Malachi chapter three, that God's giving us a test And he says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? And they say, what do you mean we robbed you? And he says, because you don't don't bring the tithe. So you're robbing me. Now, here, Judas is literally robbing God. Like literally taking money out of the offering plate and putting it in his pocket, stuffing his coffers, right? I mean, he, he is a thief, and he is bold about it. But can't... Can I ask another question? 
Who gave Judas the money box? What? Jesus, you gave Judas? You, you knew that Judas was a thief? And you gave him the money box? Come on, are you following me here? Like, Jesus is all-knowing. Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus knows all about Judas's tactics and that he's a thief and he's embezzling money and he gives him the money box. Jesus, you are either not as smart as we thought you were or you were putting him to the test. Which one was it? Putting him to the test. He's giving Judas a chance to pass a test. Judas, are you, are you, are you going to have a change of heart? Or are you going to keep living the same way that you've been living all your life? Uh, are you following me? Is this helping anybody here today? You learning anything out of this? So, um, so think about this. We are like Judas when we point at other people's generosity to cover up our own selfish heart. We're like Judas when we say, I can't believe he calls himself a Christian and is driving a car like that. He should probably sell that and give it to them. Do you see the purse she has? Oh, you know, I could have helped a whole lot of people for the money she spent on that. Mm-hmm. Or, um, man, did you see his new truck? Dude, we, we could help so many people if he'd have just given that money. Or, or, or here's, here's one of my favorites. Um, man, do you, you see the house she lives in? How can she call herself a Christian? Man, she needs to sell that house and give it to the poor. But why don't you sell your house and give it to the poor? Because you don't care about the poor. You just don't like the fact that she has something you don't have. Uh-huh, yeah. So, what selfishness, this reveals that there's something inside of us. There's this jealousy. There's a selfishness. There is a, there, there's something going on inside of us that's not, it's greed, it's grudging, and it's not pretty. It's ugly. And so we just want to, we've got to defeat selfishness at the root. Well, how do we defeat selfishness? Here's how we do it. We defeat selfishness with selflessness. Selflessness leads to extravagant generosity. All right, so, so to defeat selfishness, we have to become selfless. Selfless just puts other people before us. Selfless is not all about what I want and my agenda and all about my, uh, my own um, thoughts and my own desires. No, it's selfless is about what, what other people need. And it leads us to an extravagance in generosity. So think about Mary's gift. All right, how much was, was, was Mary's gift worth? A year's wage. It was in the form of oil, and so back then, it was, it was something that they added to. It was almost like a life savings. Okay, so they, they, she's been saving this. She's been adding to it. She's been nurturing this. She's, it's, her, it's her life savings, and she brings it to Jesus, busts it open, pours it out over his feet. This is ex, it's expensive, costly Perfume, all right, worth a year's wage. Now, I want you to imagine, think about your, your annual household income, like your income. Don't think of your neighbors. Think about what you make every year, and imagine that you take that, and you go buy your salary worth of Stetson cologne. 
the good stuff, you know. You know, maybe, maybe you want to church it up a little bit, get some Old Spice. Yeah. And you take that, you, I mean, you've got truckloads of Old Spice cologne coming your way. And you take it and you pour it over somebody's feet. And you can never get it back. You pour it out, but the problem is you can't put it back in the bottle. Like, you can't bottle it back up. It's not like you can, you can like, send it back to the, to the manufacturer. It's gone. It's, it's done. And that's exactly what she does. Like, she can't get this back. So let me ask you a question. A lot of questions today. What kind of gift would impress God? What kind of gift would impress God? Do you think a million dollars would impress God? Do you think a hundred billion dollars would impress God? What? Yeah. How about this? There is no gift, no amount of money that you can give to the creator of the universe. He owns it all. He created it all. He has it all. And so what does God really want? Look at this in 2 Corinthians. He wants you. It says that they exceeded our expectations and they gave themselves first to the Lord. Can I tell you today that the most extravagant gift that you could ever give God, is no, it's not an amount of money, it is yourself. God wants you. He's more interested in you. <coughs> but here's the thing. He, sometimes he'll go after your money so that he can have you. Because wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Your heart follows your treasure. He wants your heart, everybody. But see, that's the kind of gift that Judas couldn't give. Judas could never understand that kind of generosity because his motives were wrong. His mindset was wrong. He was selfish, right? Let me teach you three levels of giving. You see these throughout the Bible, but let me give them to you really quick today. Three levels of giving. Number one is this, tithes. Tithes is, is simply obedience. To tithe is to be obedient. So tithing is not generosity. Tithing is simply not stealing from God. It's just not, not being like Judas, all right? That's, that's what tithing is. Um, here's the second one, offerings. Offerings is where generosity begins. This is above my obedience to the Lord. This is a free will. I want to, I want to be a blessing. I don't want to be a burden. I want to help somebody. I want to be a blessing to the kingdom. Tithes, offerings, and then number three is extravagant offerings or sometimes called pain offerings. And the reason it's called a pain offering is because it hurts. <laughs> It's painful. Sometimes God asks you to do something that you don't want to do, that you don't understand. And, he, and, and if you follow through with it, I'm telling you, it'll be the best decision you'll ever make. But it hurts many times. So there's a lot of examples in the Bible of pain offerings or extravagant <laughs> offerings. David, King David, gave $21 billion billion to his son to build Solomon's temple. $21 billion. Solomon offered a thousand sacrifices to God. And in that night, God comes along and says, hey, what, what do you want? What can I reward you with? Um, in the New Testament, Jesus is at the temple. He's watching as people give their offerings. And he notices a widow drop in two pennies. And so I want you to understand that your gift, your, your giving is not about the amount. It is about the sacrifice. 
I hope you've heard that over and over again in this series. It's not the amount, it's the sacrifice. She didn't give a massive amount, but she gave all that she had. She gave two pennies. And then you go back to the Old Testament. Abraham prepares to offer his one and only son as a sacrifice. Fast forward 2,000 years in the New Testament. God did offer his one and only son as a sacrifice. Jesus came to the earth. God loved us so much that he, he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. He was generous. He gave his son for us. Amen, everybody. We ought to give thanks for that. So an extravagant heart stems from a grateful heart. Here's another question. Why did Mary pour out this extravagant gift on Jesus? Here's why. Because Jesus raised her brother from the dead. And if you're looking for a reason to be generous to God, how about one thing? He raised you from the dead. You were dead and you came back to life. You were lost, but now you are found. He saved you. He cleaned you up. He washed you. He made you new. He put your feet on a firm foundation. You're on a solid rock right now. You, you have a, a bright future ahead of you. He washed you and made you new. Come on, that's a reason we ought to be thankful. We ought to be generous. So, we, we came back to life. That's why. We were, we were dead, but now we're alive. Here's, here's what Paul says to Timothy in chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, teach those who are rich in this world. Time out, Pastor Ben. I'm not rich. <laughs> this ain't to me. This, you, you're reading this to somebody else. I'll call another time out, okay? I'm going to time out your time out, all right? <laughs> Statistics tell us that if you are living at the poverty level or below that poverty level in America... You are still in the, the world's, you are still in the top 22% of the world's richest people if you live in the poverty level in America. It's all about perspective. See, we're, we're rich, and, and so many people think that if I just had more money, then I'd be rich. But if you ask the people who have more money, they say, if I just had more money, then I'd be rich. And if you ask those people if, if they were rich, they'd say, no, I need a little bit more money in order to be rich. It's always this curse of, I need more. And so Paul says, teach those who are rich. That's us, City Hope. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud. Don't trust in their money. Don't put their trust in their money. Don't put their trust in the 401k, the stock market. Those things are great. You should do them. I encourage you to do them. But that's not where your hope comes from. I thought I'd get an amen there. <laughs> Pastor Caleb, he said it. Psalm 121 earlier, he says, where does my help come from? It comes from who? The Lord. It doesn't come from all of this stuff. No, my trust should be in God who richly gives us everything we need for our enjoyment. God's the one who provides that. He goes on to say, tell them to use their money to do good. Tell them to use their money to buy a dozen donuts and take them to the office place this week and put on a stack of at the movies cards. Use their resources to pay for the car behind them in the drive through this week and give them an at the movies card. He says, hey, tell them to bake 
an, a, a, a pie or, or some bread or some cookies and take them to their new neighbors with a stack of invite cards to at the movies. Are you serious, Pastor Peter? I'm serious. Generosity will open people's hearts like nothing else will. And just be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future that so, so that they may experience true life. So God is the ultimate extravagant giver. He gave. He loved so much that he gave his one and only son. And now, as disciples, as people who follow Jesus, he's trying to teach us, trying to train us how to live a generous life so that we can be more like him. That's the whole thing. Who? Jesus. That's the purpose of it. And so the way we can be more like Jesus, one of the ways is through generosity. So let me show you one more thought. Okay, this is the third thought, and some of you might not believe me. Some of you might think that I, this is a trick, okay? But let me give you the third thought today, and that is that God rewards a lifestyle of generosity. And maybe you're thinking today, well, of course you would say that, Pastor Ben, because you're just trying to get something from me. That's all they want is my money. You know how them churches are. That's all they want. Money, money, money. I hear you, but, but listen, what if I don't want anything from you, but I wanted something for you, that I know you will never be fulfilled in this life until your life is not about you. You'll never be fulfilled in this life until you're living out God's purpose for you, God's destiny for you, the things that he's called you to do. You will never be fulfilled until you are living out the life that he's called you to live. So we don't get, we, we don't give to get. We don't give because there's a reward involved. We give no matter what. But can I tell you something? Every time you give, there's a reward. It may be joy. It may be some peace. It may be that he's protecting your household from the enemy. It, it may be that he's watching over your family. It might be a little bit of, of, of kindness that's shown to you. Every time you give, there is a reward. Let me show it to you in scripture. I, I put a lot more notes, a lot more scriptures in your notes. I don't have time to get to that today. But in 2 Corinthians 9, Paul's talking to the Corinthians here. The context is giving and generosity. And he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. You sowed a little bit, you're going to reap a little bit. But whoever sows generously reaps generously. What's that? It's a reward. God blesses you. He gives you more for what you have sown. Each of you should... Give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly. Don't give because the preacher twisted your arm. Don't give because this is the fifth week and if I don't give today, he's going he's to keep on teaching about this. I just can't do it another week. Don't give because of that. Under compulsion. No, God loves it when we give cheerfully. I get to give. It's the desire of my heart. It's the delight of my life. And God is able to bless you. 
abundantly. What's that? It's a reward. He's able to bless you abundantly so that in everything, all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound. There's a reward. There's an abundance in every good work. As it's written, they have freely scattered their gifts. They didn't do it because they had to. They did it freely. And they scattered their gifts to the poor. And their righteousness endures forever. Their righteousness endures forever because they were generous. So God often rewards you with, with grace in your life, with power to do what he's called you to do. It goes on. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower. So God's not supplying seed to the keeper. God's not supplying seed to the stingy. He's not supplying seed to the selfish. He's not supplying seed to the person who digs a hole and puts it all in a hole and, and just waits to see what happens. He's giving seed to the sower and bread for food and will also supply and increase your store of seed. What does that mean? He's going to give you more than you already have. He's going to prosper you. He's going to push you forward and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness and you will be enriched in every good way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Selah, all right? So God wants he wants us to operate out of obedience, not reward. We don't give because we get because we have to. We don't give because we're going to get a reward. That would lead back to selfishness. If we give to get, that's a selfish mentality. We give simply out of obedience. So, I want you to notice what happened with Mary. We, I won't put it on the screen here, but Mary lavishes this love on Jesus. She pours out a year's worth of her savings onto Jesus. But, but she didn't do it because Jesus pulled her aside and said, Look, hey, if you'll do this, I'm going to bless you. He doesn't pull her aside and say, hey, look, if you do this, I'm going to make sure that we write a story about you in the Bible. No, she does it, and as a result, check this out. Jesus says, wherever you read the scripture, this woman's story will be told because of an act of generosity. Without this act of generosity, Jesus may not have even been anointed for burial. This was his anointing for burial that he would not have otherwise had. God used her to do that. She didn't know that her gift would be rewarded. She didn't know. All she knew was this. God raised my brother from the dead and I cannot help but give my life to him. Whatever he asks me, I'll do it. Amen. So I've seen... I know a message like this can be hard because you feel like he, he's talking straight to me. He must know. I don't know, all right? But here's what I do know. Um, here's what I know. is I've seen God's hand of blessing on my life in ways you, you couldn't believe. God has used my family to be generous in ways that hopefully at some point I'll be able to share with you. But it, it, would, it would blow your mind. And it's not because we are somehow better or we do things better than anybody it's it's simply this we're available that whatever God asks of us will do it pastor Ben how can you live like that how can you be generous like that here's how I once was lost now I'm found 
I was far from God. I was messed up. I was distant in my walk with the Lord. I grew up in church, yes, but I was so far from God. I was impure. I was immoral. I was lustful. I was full of greed and impurities. I was so jacked up, so messed up, that when God got a hold of me, I couldn't help but give him back my life. I couldn't, I can't help it. I, and here's, here's the result. Because he saved me, because he set me free, because he pulled me up out of the muck and the mire and, the, and, and all of the junk of my life. Here's my decision. I will go wherever he tells me to go. I will do whatever he asks me to do. And I will give whatever he asks me to give. My life is his. And that's my prayer for you too. That's not just some churchy thing. It's not just some preacher thing. Well, that's, that's on you, Pastor Ben. That's really you. You're the preacher. No, no, no. I'm, I'm asking God to do that in all of us. That we would have that kind of mentality, that kind of lifestyle. So I'd love for you to bow your head and close your eyes today. Because I know that maybe, maybe some of you in the room today, maybe you identify more like Judas than you do Mary. Maybe that's something for you to think about right now. Who, which one do you identify with? Do you feel like more like a Judas or more like a Mary? Do you feel like you have a great relationship with the Lord? You'll go anywhere, you'll do anything, you'll be obedient, you'll, you'll do whatever He asks you to do, or do you feel like it's all about me, it's all about what I want, my, my desire, my purpose, my life, it's all, about, it's all about me. Maybe today there's a specific area of your life where you are still in control, you're still battling for control. Maybe, maybe for you, it's selfishness. It's all about what you want. It's all about what you desire. You've been calling the shots. You've been in control. You've been leading the way. And I, I want to tell you, that works for a season. But if you want life change, if you want life change, it takes surrender. Surrender to God's will. Surrender of self surrender of your way and I want to give you an opportunity today to surrender to Jesus Christ to make him the Lord of your life maybe you're far from God and you're distant from God and you've been living your way God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for your sins Jesus lived a perfect life a blameless life he died on the cross on the third day they buried him in a borrowed tomb and he rose back to life and now he's at the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven. And he's praying for you in this moment that your eyes would be open. That you would give your life to him. That you would, that you would let go of the selfishness. And embrace the selflessness. If that's you today, you're ready to give your life to Christ. On the count of three, I want you to boldly slip up your hand and say, that's me. I'm ready to go all in today, Ben. The most extravagant gift you can give God is your heart. If that's you, one, two, three. Come on, slip up your hand and say, I'm going all in. I see you in the back. I see you over here. God bless you. I see you right here. Three, four. Anybody else? Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Anybody else would say, I'm going all in today. I see you. Top. 10, 11, 12. Anyone else say this? 13. I'm so proud of every hand. I see you in the back. 14. Every hand is up. I'm proud of you. God's working in you. God's doing a work in you. Let's pray this prayer together. Every, every voice, let's say this. Let's make this commitment today. Jesus, I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I turn to you.
I can't do this on my own. I need you. Will you wash me? Cleanse me? Forgive me? Make me new? I need a fresh start. Lord, I belong to you. You are mine. And from this day forward, I will live for you. I will serve you. I will worship you the best that I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today. Let's give God praise. Hey, that's amazing. Awesome. So proud of every one of you who made that decision today. For those of you who made that decision to give your life to Christ and begin a relationship with Jesus,